So if you ever want to just feel like this country's headed off of a cliff, we may implode, are we going to survive the next two, four, ten years? I highly recommend watching any clips from Jordan Klepper or Channel 5. I woke up this morning to find a video of Klepper interviewing Iowans who went to Trump's first rally since January 6th and just, wow, just the absolutely deranged things confidently coming out of people's mouth, the uh, Q overlap on display, and none of the arguments even make sense. Is that a Q? Yeah. Are you a Q supporter? Certainly. Wasn't Q's whole thing that Trump would be reinstated as president? He's never left. There's no doubt in my mind, 150,000%. That he's still president of the United States? Really? Does he still hold the powers of the presidency? Well, he's been flying around the world on Air Force One. It says something. I thought Joe Biden's technically on Air Force One. <laughs> no. So they're, they're faking it? Yeah, it's, it's not even a presidency. Who is running the government right now? President Trump. He's running the government. And the military. And he's running the military. So we should blame him for what happened in Afghanistan. No. But it's still his fault. It's way beyond my... Understanding. I don't... I don't I'm bad. Thank you for talking to me, George. Enjoy seeing President, current President Trump. Thank you. And it was also really wild to see January 6th denial on display. And like, it starts out where you're like, okay, that, I understand that conspiracy theory. And then it goes into like, even more bizarro land. I don't believe that it was people like me and people like you see over there in that crowd that did it. Who, who was behind? FBI, CIA, Antifa were used, other, other yeah. groups like that. It seemed like a lot of them were going into the Capitol to attack Nancy Pelosi and perhaps who? hang. Who? What's that? Who? Which one? The one with the bullhorns? He's not a Trump supporter. I don't care what his resume says. He's not a Trump supporter. In fact, do you remember the picture of the plane in Afghanistan with all the people running next to it? That was a balloon plane. If you look at the pictures of the real plane, and there's pieces that are missing from the real plane to that plane. So you're saying there's a conspiracy around the Afghanistan withdrawal? No, I'm saying that there was one guy there who ran. It's the only guy who turned to the camera and waved his hands. Do y'all remember that? Everybody remember that? He's the guy with the horns on his hat. He was in Afghanistan. Yes, go look at the pictures. I think he's in jail right now. No, that's what they tell <laughs> Y'all, and what, what's scary is that's not even the craziest thing I've seen all morning. Like I mentioned, Channel 5. Andrew Callaghan, formerly known for the channel All Gas, No Breaks. He, he went to an anti-vax rally in Hollywood and the, the stuff they were saying about the vaccine is wild. It's crazy and it's proven that it has creepy crawlers in it, it has pieces of metal. What are creepy crawlers? It's things with tentacles and they like we try to move together. It's like they're a family of, uh, of uh, satanic little particles. What do you think the, is on the creepy crawler agenda? Uh, I think it's city populated <laughs> no. things that are bad for people. Kids growing tails, kids growing up with animal hair. It's for the new world order. I think they want to get us all on the world, um, you know, in the um, system. money system. So I know it's about the new world order. But yeah, th those videos threw me off so much this morning, I forgot to do my intro. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Hit that like button if your brain hurts from the first few minutes of this video already. Yeah, moving on to other news, we should definitely talk about left-wing political commentator and Twitch streamer Hassan Piker in the news. And I'm actually really interested to know your thoughts on this one. So on Thursday, Piker tweeted out a video of one of his fans getting a lap dance at a strip club while wearing his merch, captioning it real Sigma behavior, saying that the video was sent to him by a friend who he later said works at the club and gave him permission to share it. According to Vice, that friend was a dancer by the name of Shay, who we also saw sharing photos from that night under Piker's post, writing Hassan stands tip good. While that original video ended up generating some backlash from those who are argued that Piker was supporting exploitation. It also eventually led to people sharing this clip of Piker from one of his old streams. Have you ever had an escort? No shame, obviously sex work is real work. I've, I've had sex with 
not even escorts, but also like straight. I, I've gone to a brothel, Artemis, in Berlin and had sex with uh, the workers there. Yes. I don't hide it. I don't give a sh why would I? With Bynes reporting that those comments were made months ago about Piker's visit back in 2010, but in the here and now, it's set off more intense debates about whether all sex work, stripping, and brothels are inherently exploitive. In their arguments that it is, many pointed out that Berlin authorities raided Artemis back in 2016 as part of a human trafficking investigation. But you have the Vice piece claiming that doesn't necessarily mean that there was any actual human trafficking happening, even if there were other wrong things taking place. Noting in this particular sting, the six people detained were accused of tax fraud and withholding social security contributions because of how they were classifying their workers. With the Vice piece then going on to suggest that by treating all sex work as exploitative, we actually make conditions even less safe for marginalized workers, which then pressures platforms, payment processors, and lawmakers to push sex workers further into the margins, further into the unsafe dark. Regarding this, we even saw Shay, the dancer we mentioned earlier, telling Vice, I don't think sex work slash stripping is inherently exploitive. And going on to add, I go to work, get paid to entertain people, talk with them, and have drinks with them, and I go home. People just have this preconceived notion of what a strip club is like and what strippers are like, and it seems we're either victims or dirty whores undeserving of love. I wish people on both sides would see we're just normal people going to work like everybody else. You know, kind of on that same note, we saw Piker say all work under capitalism is done under coercive and exploitative conditions. And adding, I believe in improving material conditions, helping workers gain autonomy and take more of their surplus labor value back. Consensual sex work in a safe environment can and has achieved that for many sex workers I am friends with. However, anti-sex work takes, especially those that conflate all sex work with sex trafficking, create an unsafe space for those who would like to do sex work. And so with all of that said, I now wanna pass the question off to you. Where do you stand on this? Whether it be about the whole rainbow of sex work right is every bit of sex work exploitative and or secondarily do you think brothels prostitution that should be legalized regardless of if you would actually use it or not what are your thoughts here what are your arguments here i, I would love to know your thinking but from that i want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show roman you know roman is a digital health platform for men that makes high quality care accessible and convenient by connecting you with a u.s licensed physician delivering treatments from their pharmacies all from the comfort of your home if you're dealing with sensitive topics like ed you're going to want to get treatment asap and with roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. No need for the awkward doctor's office visit or a trip to the pharmacy. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. Getting started is as easy as going to GetRoman.com slash Phil, and if you're prescribed, you'll get $15 off your first ED treatment, plus free two-day shipping. So make sure you click that link in the description to get $15 off your first ED treatment. And then, we should definitely talk about this massive kidnapping problem, right? Most recently, you had a group of 17 American and Canadian missionaries abducted in Haiti while on their way to visit an orphanage in the suburb of the capital, Port-au-Prince. The group reportedly is a part of Christian Aid Ministries, an Amish and Mennonite charity based out of Ohio with a long history of working in Haiti. And on their way to the orphanage, their bus was stopped at gunpoint by the Cats and Mowozo gang. The gang reportedly one of the larger ones in the area, having around 150 members. Multiple outlets saying that during their confrontation with the missionaries, some victims managed to get messages out to associates, letting them know what was going on, one even managing to drop a pin for their location. With the kidnappers then ultimately issuing ransom demands, demanding $17 million, which is a noticeable jump from the thousands to tens of thousands of dollars the gang normally asks for. And while yes, the Haitian authorities are involved in the investigation to free the missionaries, they actually have very little power in the area. The town that this took place in is pretty much out of their control and under the control of Katzen Mowozo, which actually isn't uncommon in Haiti. For example, recently with Prime Minister Ariel Henry turning back from a reflaying ceremony at the grave of a revolutionary war hero due to it being a gang territory. Right, so recovering these missionaries, it seems very complex, but luckily Haitian authorities are not alone. The FBI is saying they're helping the authorities there. Issuing the statement, the FBI is part of a coordinated 
coordinated US government effort to get the Americans involved to safety. Now, as far as how the hostages are doing, reports indicate that they're being held in some sort of safe house. Currently, no one is hurt. Cats and Mowozo have also been warned against hurting hostages, although uh, the group doesn't seem too worried about those threats. Because I mean, the, the situation is bad there for multiple reasons, but also specifically with kidnappings. Right, in 2020, there were 234 kidnappings, but just in the first eight months of this year, there have been at least 328, with the Center for Analysis and Research for Human Rights saying that number is actually over 600. With them adding that much of the increase is actually specifically from Katz and Mowozo because they figured out that kidnapping busloads of people is far more profitable than just taking individuals. In fact, this issue is so prolific right now that just before the kidnapping on Saturday, a Haitian transportation union called for an indefinite strike starting Monday, with its president further justifying the move in a statement a day later saying, we call on the government to put an end to the kidnappings and provide us safety or for them to resign immediately. We are the most victims. The transportation sector is an easy target for kidnappers all over the country. We lost many members to the insecurity and dozens of members have been kidnapped. The latest tragedy of kidnapping of the American missionaries shows no one is safe in this country. And since then, many parts of the country have come to a standstill, which puts increased pressure on a government with few resources to actually handle the issue. And then we should definitely talk about the Supreme Court in the news because they just ruled in favor of police in two separate cases involving qualified immunity. Right, the controversial legal doctrine that shields officers accused of violating constitutional rights from lawsuits. There's been a lot of debate about it. Right, the topic that became a major flashpoint in debates over police reform and curbing police violence since the protests last summer. On one side, supporters of qualified immunity claim that it's necessary to ensure police can actually do their jobs without worrying about frivolous lawsuits. But opponents argue that judicial interpretations of the doctrine over time have given police incredibly broad legal immunity for misconduct and excessive force. And that is because under a previous Supreme Court ruling, in order for officers to be held liable, plaintiffs have to show that they violated rights that are clearly established by a previous ruling. In other words, officers can't be held liable unless there is another case that involves almost identical circumstances. So as a result, many argue this creates a sort of catch-22. Officers are shielded from liability because there's not a past precedent, but the reason there may not be a past precedent is because officers are shielded from liability in the first place. Right, so for example, the two cases that the Supreme Court saw yesterday both involved accusations that the police used excessive force. In one case, officers used non-lethal beanbag rounds against a suspect at close range because he had a knife in his back pocket. With the man complying with their demands to get down after that, but one officer still allegedly knelt on his back to subdue him. There, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found that the officer was not entitled to qualified immunity, citing a similar ruling. Then, in the other case, officers shot and killed a suspect after he threatened them with a hammer, with the Tenth Circuit letting the case proceed, ruling that a jury could find the officer's cornering of the suspect recklessly created the situation that led to the fatal shooting, which would make them liable and ineligible for qualified immunity under the Tenth Circuit precedent. Two, notably different situation, but also incidents that sound somewhat familiar to things we hear about frequently. Where officers using non-lethal projections, very familiar, kneeling on a suspect, very familiar. But in their decisions yesterday, which were unsigned with no dissents, the Supreme Court justices overturned lower court rulings without ordering full briefing and argument, signaling they didn't even see these cases as close calls. And notably, it also signals that the current Supreme Court isn't open to changing qualified immunity, and the most likely path for opponents of the doctrine is legislation. But given the current makeup of Congress, that is easier said than done. And this isn't just like a congressional or federal issue. If you get more local, we've seen dozens of bills at the state level being killed after heavy lobbying from police unions. Right now, it's unclear what the path forward for advocates looks like, especially because it, this is a pretty big wall to hit, arguably the biggest wall. And then finally today, and it, it kind of puts a bow on today's show, we've come full circle. Let's talk about Trump in the news. Because while yes, a lot of the coverage today is about Trump essentially pissing on Colin Powell's grave, I would argue more notably we should talk about Donald Trump filing a lawsuit yesterday to block the House committee investigating the insurrection from receiving records that it requested regarding the Capitol attack and the former president's attempts to overturn the 2020 election. And in this lawsuit, which was filed against the committee and the National Archives, Trump and his attorneys argued that the records requested were too broad and include some documents that are protected under executive privilege, which his lawyers argued still applies to Trump despite the fact that he is no longer president and that Biden has refused to 
exercise executive privilege over the records. With Trump and the suit also claiming that the records requested have no reasonable connection to the events of that day or any conceivable legislative purpose. And finally condemning Biden for not asserting executive privilege to block the release of the document, saying this move was a political ploy intended to hurt Trump. And so as a result of all that, you have Trump's lawyers asking a federal judge to invalidate the committee's entire request, block the archives from giving any of the requested records to Congress, and let Trump's team fully review the documents before sharing them with Congress. And that last part is especially significant here because that process alone could take years. Which is why we saw the bipartisan members of the committee condemning the lawsuit as just another transparent attempt by Trump to delay and obstruct the probe. But regardless, experts say that this move sets off a legal battle between Trump and the committee that will have far-reaching implications for not only the scope of this probe, but very notably, the possible precedents regarding executive privilege and the separation of powers. And ultimately, that is where today's show ends. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you tomorrow. It has creepy crawlers in it, it has pieces of metal.